If you have a Bible, I would love for you to join me in the Gospel of Luke in the 15th chapter. As they were singing that song about how the Lord has been to us, what more could God have done for us than what He has done for us in Christ Jesus? Amen. I mean, when you really begin to think about what God Almighty has done on our behalf in the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, prayerfully it, it leads to much rejoicing and gratitude on our behalf. There's a reason the Bible says that if you're a believer in Jesus, you ought to always be rejoicing. Rejoice always. And again, I will say rejoice. And if you can think about what God's done on your behalf in Christ Jesus and not rejoice, go back again and look at what he's done for us in Christ Jesus. One of the best places to find out what he's done for us in the Lord Jesus Christ is in the Gospel of Luke in the 15th chapter. So one of the things we can know if we're getting Luke 15 is the rejoicing level, if you will, in our life is on the up and up. If during this series of sermons, we go home and, and sort of don't have an increased rejoicing in the Lord, then there's some sort of disconnect. So before we step into Luke 15, let's even pray to that end that what God has spoken in Luke 15 would be communicated clearly into our hearts and minds so that we can live it out in one of the ways we live it out is in our thankfulness unto him. So let's pray together. Father, we unite together now as a church family in Jesus' name, asking you to communicate your word clearly to us. Now give us a desire and the initiative to remove distraction during these few minutes and focus on the living, active word of God. And I pray, Father, that and thank you that we don't have to, we don't have to ask for your word to come alive to us because it is alive. What we need to ask is that we would come alive to your word. So, so soften our hearts, sharpen our minds. Give us clarity, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. One of, without question, the most terrifying moments of my childhood took place when I accompanied my dad to the grocery store, and it was just a routine grocery store visit, and we were checking out, and uh, I began to walk to the car uh, with him when I began to look around and could not find him anywhere. And when you're six years old, six or seven as I was at the time, uh, you began to search frantically, and I could not find him anywhere. Now, after we had checked out, uh, uh, this was well before the self-checkout days, we went to the counter, and, 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 and he paid his money, and, and then he must have turned left when I turned right. And it was night, and it was dark, and it was raining. It was kind of exactly how it's been this morning. You know, it's just, it's just where is my dad? And, and it wasn't a long period of time, but in my little heart, it felt like hours went by. My heart rate had skyrocketed, and my palms are sweaty. Where is he? And when I finally turned around and saw him coming for me, that relief that just washed over me as that moment of being found occurred. Now, 20-some-odd years later, I was on the flip side. I was with Mary Clara when she was six or seven years old, and we had gone to a... Um, a, a, a theater performance in this large auditorium and she was walking with me and 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 julie had remained in a seat after the con- conclusion of the performance and everybody's letting out and and she said that she wanted to go back to julie so i looked over and there was a little ways and i said well you you can go right on and it's a bad idea already right you go on and go back to where mommy is uh so i walked on uh uh, uh to the restroom or whatever i was doing and then i and then i came back and saw julie there and I said, where's Mary Clara? And you've ever had that moment as, as, as parents when they thought the child was with you and you thought the child was with them and then both of your eyes get wide, right? And where is she? 
Now, now instead of the child who's lost, now I'm the father who's, who's lost a child. And I begin to pan the entire auditorium. And, 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 and again, it feels like a long time. And then finally I see uh, uh, she's huddled in a corner weeping, practically trembling. And I run over there and, and grab a hold of her. And she's sobbing. I didn't know where you were is what she began to say. And I, you know, it's a, it, was, it was my responsibility. Now, now the joy that comes over the father who's found a child. Now, in Luke 15, a lot of rejoicing is going on because something that's lost has been found. Luke 15 begins in this way. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. Now, last week, as we started in Luke 15, what kind of where we ended was their complaint is heaven's praise. Their complaint was, He receives sinners and eats with them. The angels rejoice with what? He receives sinners and eats with them. Oh, there's nothing more, there ought to be nothing more foreign to the heart of those who love Jesus than, than a grumbling spirit. Well, we won't tick off all the, all the observations we made of grumblers last week, but, but if you remember a few of them, grumblers obviously grumble. Grumblers do not themselves draw near to Jesus. Who, who's drawing near to Jesus in this verse? Tax collectors and sinners. So you got this group that's over on the side, kind of grumbling and complaining, arms folded, practically pouting. And what are they upset about? That Jesus receives sinners and tax and he'll eat with them. Grumblers never serve. You know why? They're too busy grumbling. Grumblers don't draw near to Jesus. And then the truth of the matter is, grumblers don't really enjoy seeing other people draw near to Jesus. Oh, God forbid that we'd have a spirit of grumbling among us. Now, from the get-go, as we said last week, you trace it all through the Old Testament, whether it's Adam and Eve after the fall in the garden, whether it's the Hebrews who've been miraculously delivered out of Egypt on their way to the promised land, but then they've got grumbling going on all the way down the line. Those whose hearts are far from God are always marked with grumbling. Those whose hearts are near God are always marked by rejoicing. And it's because of this, uh, of this grumbling that Jesus tells this parable. That's what it says in verse 3. So he told them this parable in response to their grumbling. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he's lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner... How many sinners? One sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. I love that about this parable is it just takes one. You know, heaven's not up there rejoicing, saying, well, if we, you know, if we get a dozen, we'll, we'll start the party. Heaven says one sinner repents and we're going to rejoice over that. So I've got, uh, I've got uh, two main headings this morning. And the, and, and the headings are we're going to describe the sheep. And then, number two, we're going to describe the shepherd. That's how we're going to examine this, this parable. Get a couple of characteristics of sheep and then a couple of characteristics of, of the shepherd and bring them together because what we see here is a great and powerful gospel illustration that we'll use for prayerfully powerful gospel proclamation. Now, so let's, let's, describe, let's describe sheep. Um, We've got to say this on the front end. If, if he's the shepherd, if he's the shepherd, that makes who the sheep? us all right now I want you to think of your favorite sports team you think of them in your mind 
I mean, if we just go to the local high schools here, they're, all, they're, all, they're always a certain kind of name, right? We got the Knights, and we got the Patriots, we got the Bulldogs, we got the Griffons, Eagles. When, when we name sports team, we, we always give them this, this relate to this animal that's ferocious or brave or, you know, no, no, did anybody graduate and, and you were the, uh, the fighting sheep? Now, I, I know it's at this moment, somebody, the certain disposition, always likes to point out that, have you looked at the North Carolina Tar Heel logo, right? You see that? No, 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 that's not a sheep, my friends. It's not a sheep. It's a ferocious, combative ram, all right? So let's just, let's just get it, right? But, but, we, but we name sports teams after, and, and we sort of like, if we were going to compare ourselves to an animal, right, we, 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 would, we would not use a sheep. And there's a reason. Let me give you the characteristics of sheep. First of all, sheep are not intelligent animals. As a matter of fact, I think, do we have a picture? Let's just, let's just, pick, let's just put them on the screen. Now, I want to describe this animal to you. And then if you'll, while I describe the animal, remember with some humility, we're the sheep, okay? Number one, sheep are not intelligent animals. A few years ago, I took my children to the circus, and they brought out every animal imaginable. They brought out lions and tigers and bears. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. There was a man who, who was in the cage with a tiger, and this tiger so intelligent. Now, you might want to question the intelligence of the man in the cage with the tiger, but the tiger did amazing things. It would spin around. They even brought out a dancing elephant. They brought out every animal you could imagine except one. There was not one single sheep. Did you know you cannot, sheep, you cannot teach a sheep to do anything? Anybody ever played fetch with a sheep? Somebody say, go, go, go get him, sheepy. You, you throw that and you know what he'll say? And that's it. That's it. You, you, spend, you can spend all day. You can spend all day. Let's, let's go teach the sheep to play fetch. You, you're wasting your time. Ever taught a sheep to sit? That's what he'll do right there. Sit, boy. Sit, boy. Got a treat for you. They don't shake hands. They don't roll over. As a matter of fact, you can teach a dog to shepherd sheep. But you cannot teach sheep to do anything. They can't be trained to shepherd themselves. I can never get on Facebook without some video popping up on my feet of some dog or cat or some animal performing some outrageous feat. Every time you go on there, look what this dog did, look what this dog did. But I've never, ever seen a video of a sheep doing something outrageous. Sheep are not intelligent animals. A, a, a sheep left to itself is so unintelligent that it'll end up destroying itself if left untended. Not only sheep not intelligent, Another characteristic of sheep is that they're defenseless. Most every animal has some sort of means to defend itself. Mules can kick. Anybody ever been kicked by a mule by chance? Anybody? Well, that's good. Horses can run fast, get out themselves out of danger. Even an old skunk can defend itself. You know what a sheep does? Again, bah, nothing. Can't defend itself. A, a few years ago, Julie and I were uh, at the mountains at the Billy Graham Training Center, 
and uh, uh, right outside of Asheville, North Carolina, and, and they've got uh, this, this hike that you can do. It's several miles, and it's up in the mountains, and, and, and the goal is to get to a, a place called the Lookout, where there's this amazing uh, summit that you climb the mountain, and, and you just have this amazing view. And so she and I uh, decided that we were going to walk up there, and so, so we, it, it took us about two hours to walk up to, and we, we finally got, you know, she's doing fine. I'm, you know, uh, huffing and puffing, and, and we finally get, and it says, uh, Lookout, 50 yards ahead. We finally made it. So as she carries me in her arms to the, uh, to the, to the, to the lookout portion, I, I, I look up and I glance and I say, there's some, something up there. Now, we've been on the trails all day and hadn't seen anybody. So, so we look up there and I see some motion and I say, you know, have I exhausted myself to the point that I'm seeing things? Do I, think, do I see what I think I see? And then about that time I stop and then Julie stops and we're both looking and it's a, it's a black bear with two little bear cubs. Now, I don't, you know, I don't know enough, but I know I don't want to mess with Mama Bear. The, the bears are at the lookout. They must be enjoying the view. And, and Mama Bear's got her arms around the two baby bears and says, look at this, look at this, great. Well, no, that didn't really happen, but, but, but they were there at the lookout. And we'd walked up two hours to get up there. I saw the bears, and it took about eight minutes to walk down. That's, that's, that's how that worked, you know. Julie said, maybe they'll pass by. Do you want to wait? No, no, no we're not waiting. We're, we're gone. We're, get, we're out of here. Now, now, I got out of there because there were bears. If I had walked up there, we got to the lookout, and there were three sheep standing there, my, my, my response would have been totally different. I would not have run for my life. Julie, we got to get out of here. There's sheep. Why? Why? What's a sheep going to do to you? Give you some wool? I mean, they, 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 they got, they, they're defenseless. They're not intelligent. They're defenseless. A third characteristic of sheep is they need to be led. There are some animals, no matter how hard you try, you cannot get rid of. For example, a cat. Now, I know that last week I already stepped on and offended people, namely Duke fans, and so I'm already on thin ice. Just suffice to say, I've tried at times to get rid of a cat. And they always come back. They keep coming back. You can drop them miles away. They keep coming back. Now, you know, but a sheep? Sheep doesn't know its way home. A sheep will wander right off and never come back. A sheep will start nibbling on some grass and they'll keep nibbling. Now, this is true. This is true. They'll keep nibbling. If you're, if you're in an elevated cliff, for example, they'll keep nibbling, and they'll walk right off the cliff. <laughs> All the way down. They have terrible eyesight. They, 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 they couldn't pass an eyesight test. They don't know how to get back home. They need to be led. Who are we describing? Sheep? Yeah, we're describing sheep. You know who else we're describing? Us. This is our spiritual status. Fourth, the sheep must be cared for. The problem with sheep is that they can become what's called cast. That happens when a sheep rolls over on its back and it can't get up, right? 
They'll lay there and their hoofs stick straight up in the air and it does not have the athletic ability or the dexterity to roll over and get back up. It's like, it's like a Randy in a Christmas story, right? When he gets on his back, oh, you don't know that reference. All right, so um, the, the only hope for a cast sheep, the only hope is for the shepherd to come and pick it up and set it back on its feet again. Now, if we compare ourselves to some animal in nature, we would, we, we would think, oh, we're like wild stallions running free, right? Or an eagle soaring in the air, or we've got the loyalty of a golden retriever. God describes us this way, you are like sheep. As a matter of fact, who made creation? Who created everything? Is it not possible that God, when he came along and said, you know what, i got to teach them an object lesson. I'm going to make an animal that will represent their spiritual condition apart from me. And it's not that lion, and it's not that bear, and it's not that, uh, the, these animals over here. I'm going to make a defenseless, unintelligent, needs-to-be-led, needs-to-be-cared-for animal, and it's a sheep, and maybe that will help them realize that's how they are. Because all, all we like sheep have gone astray, the prophet Isaiah says. Isaiah 53 and verse number 6. Unintelligent, poor eyesight, defenseless. Now, um, again, who's describing us this way? God is. Spiritually speaking, we're unintelligent. Left to ourselves, we make foolish decisions. We make self-destructive decisions. Now, you think a, a, a sheep will nibble, nibble, nibble and walk off a cliff. Well, people will do the same thing. They say, here's where I'm going to meet. Here's where I could get my satisfaction. Here's where I can get my satisfaction. Here, here, here. And, and, and we'll walk right off a cliff without even knowing the cliff's coming. Our eyesight, our spiritual discernment is poor. We think we can lead ourselves. We think we can train ourselves. We think we just have the right education, we'll be okay. And maybe even this morning, you've been nibbling, 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 dabbling in sin and have wandered far off from his, his, his flock. Now, a sheep's only hope is a shepherd comes along. Look at this. We can take um, Baba sheep down from the screen if we want to, because now we're going to describe the shepherd. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he's lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, I found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Well, we described, we described the sheep, and while we did that, we understood we were describing ourselves. So now we're going to describe the shepherd, and also at the same time, we're going to recognize we're not just describing a shepherd, we're describing Jesus Christ himself. So first of all, the shepherd, first description is the shepherd has compassion. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he's lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country? I've got to tell you, 99 out of 100 is a pretty good ratio, is it not? I mean, I mean, we would say the shepherd's doing pretty good. 99% all he's lost is, is one sheep. The monetary value of one sheep to a shepherd is really not that much. It's, it's not a disaster to the sheep business to lose just one sheep. So, so we should recognize this reality. The shepherd could have just left the one sheep. Could have just marked it off. It's just one sheep, no big deal, still got the 99 
Oh, that sheep, he wandered off himself. He should have stayed with the flock. That's his problem. That sheep will just reap what he sowed. If the shepherd, well, listen to me, if the shepherd does not care, the sheep has no hope. If the shepherd does not care, the sheep has no hope. But the shepherd does care. Isn't that good news? The shepherd does care. You see it in Genesis 3. After the fall, Adam and Eve have plunged themselves into sheep status. Spiritually blind, spiritually dead. Dead in their trespasses and sins. And who comes looking? They don't go looking for God. In fact, what do they do? They hide from him. But God has compassion and God comes looking for them. Do you know if you're in his flock? It wasn't that you went looking for him. You know what? He came looking for you. As a matter of fact, if you've got any desire to know God, that's an indication he came looking for you. He came for you first because the sheep is lost. Now, um, uh, write this down if you want to because we'll say this over and over every week. Um, a statement that I heard recently and have, have, uh, have thought and prayed over. We have to understand what it means to be lost. Okay, so here's a way we can scripturally check ourselves. Lost does not mean that you are bad and need help. Spiritually speaking now. Lost doesn't mean you're bad and need help. Lost means you're dead and need life. Now, now we, we weren't just bad and needed some help. That's not the gospel. The gospel is we were dead. Where do you get that? Ephesians chapter 2. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. It's not just that we were, we were kind of needed. We're not just cast and just put me back on my feet and I'll make my way home. How does this sheep get home, by the way? He gets home. How does he get home? The shepherd came looking for him. The shepherd put it on his shoulders and the shepherd carried him all the way home. Good news for you if you're a believer in Christ. He didn't just find you and then say, put you right back up and all right now boy follow me no he puts you on his own shoulders you're getting home not because you are a, a rehabilitated sheep you're getting home because you've got a faithful shepherd he's got compassion and he doesn't just have compassion for you when he finds you in the moment that he finds you he's got compassion for you all the way home so 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 i i've got to come back to this because sometimes i think well well yeah he loved me at the moment of my conversion and now he's just irritated with me that's not true that's not true. He got compassion for you when you were lost. He had compassion for you when he found you. He's got compassion when he puts you on his shoulders. And he's got compassion for you all the way home. That's a good picture for you, by the way, if you're a believer in Jesus. Is you're like the shepherd. Uh, you're like the sheep, rather, that are on the shoulders of the shepherd. When he found you, he doesn't scold you and say, bad sheep, and now I'm going to train you to find your way home. No. He who began a good work in you, he will carry it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So uh, good news for you. Hey, if you've been found, he puts you up on the shoulders. He's carrying you home. All the way home. Amen? All the way home. The, the shepherd's compassion, by the way, is in direct contrast to the attitude of the grumbling Pharisees and scribes. Why he's telling this story. Uh, sometimes we are prone to think that the shepherd does not care. So this first marker that... that Everything the shepherd does in this story is a result of his compassion. As a matter of fact, in all of Luke's gospel, one of the key words is compassion. Remember the good Samaritan, when he comes along, he felt compassion. In the, story, in the parable of the prodigal son that we'll study soon, when he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion. Now, turn with me to Luke chapter uh, 
8. We, we studied these verses not too long ago. Luke chapter 8 and verse 26. Let's illustrate this for, for you. Luke chapter 8 and verse 26. Uh, then they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. So this is right after Jesus had calmed the storm. They're in the boat. They're making a journey. It's not you know, a 20-minute uh, boat ride. I mean, it's an all-day trip, right? He, he's taking his whole crew. They're on a long journey, and they get over to the Gerasenes, and that's when he meets the demoniac and liberates him from a destructive lifestyle. You remember this guy? He was chained in the tombs. He's cutting himself. He's destroying himself. Jesus comes out and casts those demons out. They go to the pigs, and, 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 and that whole scene so so that's when they arrive and look at verse 37 then all the people of the surrounding country of the garrisons asked him to depart from them for they were seized with great fear so he got into the boat and returned so if you're tracking along with me a long trip long journey got over there healed one man then got back in the boat and left who's he after who's he after i got 99 over here i'm going for legion i'm going to liberate legion i'm going to liberate that man i'm going after the one now here's uh here's a bible bible principle promise god loves all of us god loves each of us i've got four precious children i love all of them you know what else is true i love each of them god loves us Oh, that God would give us grace to believe this more and more. He loves, he loves you. He loves us. <laughs> but he also loves you. He, his, uh, Luke 8 illustrates this. He went that whole way. Just for one. Just for one. He has compassion. Did you think of it this way? When Christ was crucified on the cross... He took our sin, but he also died in your place. That was our place, but it's also, also your place. He, he died for all of our sin, but he died, for, he died for my sin. He died in my place. He came for me. The shepherd has compassion for us. He also has compassion. He has compassion for you. And sometimes I think we lose sight of this. He didn't go after 99 sheep. He went, after, he went after one sheep. One, the shepherd has compassion. Secondly, the shepherd is a seeking shepherd. Look at the verb here in verse, <laughs> verse uh, 4. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he's lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? The verb speaks of initiative. The shepherd does not wait around for the sheep to return. You know why he doesn't wait for the sheep to return? Because he knows something. He knows the sheep cannot of its own accord return to him. The sheep is incapable of coming home. Now, the, the shepherd can go out there and go, bah, bah, bah. But that doesn't, that, that, he's got to go after. Praise God, Jesus is proactive. It's not just that he's willing to accept a sheep who would return. It's not just that he's willing it's that he's proactive to go and get the sheep. Now, uh, the Bible teaches us an important lesson, and so it's important we are going to uh, s- slow down and, and, and soak it in. Apart from the seeking shepherd, we had no hope. We're tracking along together. If he doesn't seek us, we've got no hope. We're, we are 100% dependent on him coming for us.
and we'll talk about this more in just a moment, but the cross, the cross is the only means of being found. Now, look what it says. Love this, and I think you will too. He goes after the one that is lost until he's tired of looking for him. Not what it says. He goes after the one that is lost until what? Until he finds it. Until he finds it. Now, sheep can be lost in all kinds of places. Sheep can get lost way up on a mountainside, or they can get trapped way down in the valley. A sheep can be lost near a peaceful, quiet stream, or a sheep can be lost near the den of wolves. And he goes after the sheep until he finds it. I take that to mean he, the shepherd's willing to go wherever he's got to go to find the sheep that he's looking for. The, the means the shepherd will go wherever he has to go to get the sheep. Now, I've seen Jesus rescue people in all sorts of places. I, I, I've seen Jesus rescue people from all sorts of things. There's a great variety of places that a sheep can be lost. But there's only one hope, no matter where they are, that they'll be found. And that's that the shepherd comes for them. I've seen Jesus rescue people from addictive substance abuse. Way down in the pit. Life hanging by a thread. And Jesus goes down there and rescues them. I've seen Jesus rescue from people addicted to sexual sin. I've seen Jesus rescue people from the darkness of the occult. I've seen him rescue people who are completely overcome with the darkness. And I've also seen him rescue people from the, perhaps the most destructive sin of all. And that's self-righteousness. There's nowhere he won't go to rescue his sheep. Any number of places a sheep can be lost, but only one way for a sheep to be rescued. I listened a lot to the song, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, as I prayed and thought over this sermon. I love this. Here I raise my Ebenezer. Hither by thy help I'm come. And I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God, he to rescue me from danger, interposed his precious blood. O oh, to grace, how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander. Why, we're like sheep. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. O oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Turn with me to John chapter uh, 10. If you're in Luke, just one book over to the left. John chapter 10. I'm just going to read this portion of scripture without perhaps making a lot of comment on it. I just want you to see again that Jesus, if he can select in all his infinite wisdom a metaphor for us to understand his heart towards us, notice again that he's quick to adopt the imagery of a shepherd. John chapter 10, verse 7, So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He was 
a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Oh, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the Father knows me. And I, and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I might take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. You see it? I am the good shepherd. Now, there's all sorts of different places, whether it's the mountainside or the quiet stream or the, or the ditch or the pit or, or the valley that a, sh- that a sheep can be lost. But in order for you to be found, there is one place that the shepherd has to go. And, and that's the cross. Did you see him say it two times there? For the shepherd to find you, Jesus has to do something. He says it two times in John 10. Did you see it? I lay my life down. I lay my life down for the sheep. One more passage I want you to turn with me to. Let's see our good shepherd in action in Luke chapter 20, 23. We've got two, uh, two characteristics right now of the shepherd. One, he has compassion and two, he seeks. If you want to put them together, you could do that. He compassionately seeks. All right, that is the description of the, of the shepherd that we've got some, so far. In Luke chapter 23, verse 32, the Bible says, Two brothers who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that was called the skull, there they crucified him. And the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And that Greek verb, Jesus said, is uh, in a tense that, that he's saying it over and over and over again. And I want you to think about this for a moment. When is he saying this? The skull there, they crucified him. As they're nailing him to the cross, as they're nailing him to the cross, Jesus say, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. As the nails are being driven into his hands and in his feet, he's saying, Father, forgive them. The shepherd compassionately seeks. Did you know as Jesus is being crucified, he's praying. And the only way the father can answer his prayer that they'd be forgiven is for him to be crucified. It's fascinating. It's the, it's the depth of the character of God. Jesus is praying for the Father to forgive them. The only means of the Father to forgive them is Jesus to shed his blood for them. The shepherd has to become like a sheep. But when Jesus becomes like a sheep, we don't mean that to say that he, he comes and now he's unintelligent and he can't see and he's defenseless and he's powerless. No, 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 no. He becomes like a sheep while maintaining all the characteristics of the shepherd. He knows exactly what's going on. He's not defenseless. He tells them, does he not? Hey, I could call thousands of angels up there. You mean the same angels 
that are going to rejoice at the repentance of sinners? Yes, those same angels. And you know why I'm not going to call them? Because if they're ever to rejoice over the repentance of sinners, I've got to be crucified for the sin of the sheep. He compassionately seeks after us. Even as he's being crucified, the very means of our redemption, he's praying. And that's not all. How the people stood by watching, verse 35. But the ruler scoffed at him, saying, he saved others. Let him save himself. And you look at that statement. Uh, uh, again, the, uh, the criticism of earth in, a, in kind of a strange twist on the praise of heaven. He saves others because he does not save himself. If he were to save himself, he could not save others. Oh, their criticism. Again, a twist. (laughs) A sinful, wicked twist on the praise of heaven. You know, they're rejoicing in heaven. Worthy is he. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive glory and honor and power and wisdom forever and ever and ever. And may in some small way God give us grace to be more in tune with the song of heaven than whatever the criticism is here on earth. The soldiers also mocked him coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. There it is again. I can't save you. But I, can't, <laughs> but I can't save myself if I'm going to save you. One of them got it. The other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. He recognized him as the spotless Lamb of God. And Jesus said, and he said, remember, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise the shepherd became like a sheep led to slaughter but this shepherd is not this shepherd turned sheep was not defenseless he was not unseeing and he did not need somebody else to lead him there he said it in john john chapter 10 i lay my life down of my own accord he went purposefully he went until intentionally and he went willingly until the last moment he's still seeking is he not he's still seeking hanging on the cross Today, today, I say to you, today, you will be with me in paradise. And not many moments later, he, he died. And I think he dies rejoicing because even in his last moments, the shepherd is compassionately seeking. Last description of the shepherd is he's a rejoicing shepherd finish where we started in Luke 15 it's also helpful parenthetically to say even on the cross he's seeking the sinners and tax collectors and he's seeking the scribes and the Pharisees if you would see what he says there in Luke 23 when he's found it verse 5 he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. He doesn't scold the sheep. He doesn't say, bad, bad sheep. He says, my sheep came for you. Lays it on his own shoulders, rejoicing. And then he comes home, he calls together his friends. Now, now verse 6 is a, is a little glimpse into heaven, what heaven's going to be like. 
He gets everybody together. He calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me. I found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. If you've been found by the good shepherd, he rejoiced when you were found. Just let that sink in for a moment. It brings him joy to call you his own. The picture of the shepherd laying the sheep on his shoulder again speaks to his current care for you. I don't know what the condition was of the sheep when the shepherd found him. We're not given that insight, but perhaps uh, uh, it's, it's likely that the, the sheep bore all the scars and wounds of being lost. The way of the transgressor, the Bible says, is hard, leaves you wounded, leaves you scarred up, leaves you scratched up, leaves you hungry. Uh, 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 the, the shepherd, the shepherd, the, the picture here is of him binding up all the wounds resulting from wandering. And, and he does not put the sheep down again until he's all the way home. Jesus, if you're his found sheep, is going to carry you all the way home. I think in conclusion, uh, anytime that you talk about a shepherd in the Bible, there is a passage, certain passage that comes up, doesn't it, in your mind? Some of you have already thought about it. It's David in Psalm 23, right? One of our very favorite passages of Scripture. Now, I'm just going to quote the very first part, and then if we put all these things together, I want you to notice what an unbelievable statement it is that David makes. What's the statement? The Lord is my shepherd. What's the result? I shall not want. Now, if there's any animal in all creation that should be left wanting, don't you think it would be an unintelligent, defenseless, prone to wandering, poor eyesight, can't help themselves, straying, needs to be led sheep? But the two statements go together. The Lord is my shepherd. What's the result? I shall not want. Is that your testimony this morning? You're his, and, and the result of that is, what, what are you left wanting? You're not left wanting for your sins to be covered, are you? You're not left wanting for your eternity to be secured, are you? You're not left wanting, is this, all these circumstances in my life, are they beyond his control? No, no, I've put you on my shoulders. I'm going to carry you all the way home, Right? Now, we might hit some bad weather on our way, but that shepherd's going to get home. Now, we are still prone to wandering, aren't we? So when you find yourself straying, look to the cross. When you're prone to wander, look to the cross. When you're prone to, to doubt his care for you, look to the cross. It's there on full display that you have a compassionate seeking, and even rejoicing shepherd. If you've never placed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I call on you this morning to have repentance, to admit that you're lost. That doesn't mean you're bad and need help. To be lost means that that you're dead and need life. Your hope is not that you'll find your way back. Your hope is that you have a compassionate, seeking shepherd who came to you. And even at the great expense of himself, that he'd go to the cross. That's the extent of God's love for you. While we were yet sinners, while we were yet wandering sheep, while we were yet lost, Christ died for us. Would you stand with me and we'll pray together? There are a number of ways that we can respond, I think, to 
to Luke 15. One way would be rejoicing during our invitation. Perhaps you just rejoice over being found, rejoiced over being cared for, rejoiced over the fact that you are on your way home. Or maybe, maybe you realize in, in your life, you, perhaps you're a believer in the Lord Jesus, but you are prone to wander. Hey, you've been nibbling, nibbling, nibbling. You say, I believe you're a good shepherd who cares for me to the end. That you'd confess to the Lord, here's some areas in my life, Father. Would you rescue me from things that, if left to myself, I'll destroy myself. And, and then thirdly, the invitation's wide open this morning. Maybe by God's grace and His Spirit and the Word, you realize... He did come for me. He has compassion for me. He was crucified for me. I'm the one. (laughs) He got 99. I'm the one. He's come for me. If you've never placed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I'd love to pray about that, think through that, both here at the invitation and uh, any other moment that God gives you breath, I'd love to speak to you about that. Let's pray together and then rejoice together and pray to, and plead with the Lord to do a great work among us. Father, I pray against the spirit of passivity that we can be prone to, to listen to the word of God and, 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 and then not be thinking people. Would you use this time of invitation for us to respond to you in a way that honors a seeking and compassionate Savior? Thank you that Jesus is the good shepherd. Thank you that Jesus is the door by which the sheep enter and find good pasture. Thank you that when the Lord is our shepherd, we shall not want. I pray that you'd, that you'd by your grace, reveal to any lost sheep among us today that you have come. You have come to carry them home. You've not come to scold. You've not come to, you, you, you know the nature of sheep. So you've come to find and to carry. Thank you that the compassionate shepherd went all the way to the cross and that because of the cross, there is no place by which we can be lost that you cannot find us. We desire now to sing praise to our shepherd, the Lord Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.